Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Oh, yes, you heard me right. You can talk to an actual human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let me just say something about Alan Zweibel. He is like a famous writer from Saturday Night Live, and he was a huge part of the first cast. And the first cast is always going to be the first cast. There will always be the greatest, right? Mm -hmm. And what happened, and he really breaks it down, another thing I like to say, Stay in your lane, break it down. Mm -hmm. He breaks down that when they got on the show, it was kind of innocent. No one knew, they weren't rock stars. They, that's why they call them not ready for primetime players. And then at a given point, I think it was John Belushi did Animal House and became a movie star. Mm -hmm. And so the entire Quickly. culture of the show changes because of this, which is a fascinating thing. And it goes in detail you about that. You can picture he come back to the set and there in those little tiny, he's on SNL. Now he's like so much bigger than everyone. Mm-hmm. And now he's back to doing sketches and there had to be attitudes in this. And, you know, yeah. some people were on drugs, some people weren't. But I think that once that hit, he said it changed the dynamic. Yeah. And it's also, uh, Alan worked very closely with Gilda Radner. And that's fun to hear because she's somewhat. America's sweetheart. Well, she's yeah, great. Maybe the most likable. I don't know. She's just brilliant. And he, he really talks fondly about her in great detail. So he also, he did a movie that he wrote, which was such a hyped movie with a hyped cast called North. And it fucking bombed. And uh, <laughs> was John Lovitz in it? <laughs> it's so brutal because I'm kidding. <laughs> you can, it, the interesting thing about showbiz out here is that no one knows jack shit. You can't, there's almost no for sure hits. And so, smartest people, directors, writers, cast, and you just can't say this movie will be great. Yeah. And people just say pass. And it's unbelievable. I can't it's, believe they don't have cracked the code yet. I actually starred in a movie right after that, 1995. Nobody knows jack shit. And that even bombed. That movie didn't do Nobody well? Nobody knows jack shit, and it even bombed. No, and you played jack shit? Show business. On yeah, the poster? I was, yeah, I was jack shit. I looked kind of <laughs> like Joe Dirt. I was kind of like, hey, man, jack, jack shit. shit and Joe Dirt should have hey, hang man. out. <laughs> and jack shit, are you clueless? Yeah, I don't know even jack shit. I don't know myself. That was the cold open of the movie. It yeah. was on a mountain retreat. There were cowboys. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's on live streaming. I think it's on Pluto. Maybe Pluto is that a planet on, or a channel? It doesn't even know it's a network. That's how obscure it doesn't even qualify to be streamed. It's like the real Pluto, which is called a dwarf planet because it's so tiny. Pluto doesn't count as even a streaming site because there's only 3,200 people watch it. 3,200 does the latest globally. Numbers. All right, <laughs> most well, of them in Czechoslovakia. I digress. That, more on that later. Um, here's Alan Zweibel. It's like the moon landing usually, but no, I've been blessed, Dana. I've been really blessed. Fresh. Yeah, not too much sun, light on the booze, healthy no, diet. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I get my uh, basic um, six hours of sleep a week. So it's working out nicely. So you're not sleeping as well. That's a, yeah, that's that's pretty common. Don't you? Is anybody? Uh, well. I take a little bit of a, a sleep aid. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. In the form of a pill? Yeah. Hey, I David. Take teeny bits, oh. bits of it. 
It's David Spade, everybody. By the way, Al Franken asked me to ask you a question. Okay. He asked his wife Bell a question. He said, are you are you Jewish? Well, <laughs> that's all. That's, that's from Al Franken. That's not a yes or no answer. <laughs> I know my answer. I, 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 <laughs> no. Ask him. Ask him well, if, if he's Jewish. Uh, 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 Sorry. Yo, have you, what, you think this is Nordic? No. No, no, no. No. <laughs> Nordic. Oh, yeah. Well, look, now, David, we, we David, are, on your square, it says David Spader. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Okay. But uh, you can figure it out. His nickname is Spudley. <laughs> That's my code name. Yeah. Nickname is Spudley. Your nickname is Swibes. Okay. I don't really, I don't have a nickname. <laughs> and it's, All right. It's, by the end of this, Dana, you were going to have a nickname. Oh, ah, okay. <laughs> my wife yes. would like that. So you, you've been married a long time, right? Or no? <laughs> oh, God. For um, <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. Help this, us. <laughs> God help us all. It's, it's 40, 42 years. Uh, for those of you who bet the under, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> hey, man, got- I'm looking right at 40, I, I think. Oh, really? Married in 83, 2023. Yeah, much. yeah, you're on yeah. the cusp of 40. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How's, it, how's it working out? <laughs> uh, I've been married 40 years to six different women. You know, I mean, it's. Well, just- yeah, no, well, you know, it's cumulative. How this stuff works, you know, you don't get any points for just one. You know what I mean? It's just how long you've been. But um, I don't write jokes, but this joke always kills. I have two jokes about my wife and that's it, because I can't write a joke and you're brilliant at it. Yeah. I met my wife when she was 19. I raised her as one of my own. Gets a nice little laugh. Right. (laughs) I've been married 38 years. Applause to seven different women. <laughs> and those are, uh, but they they kill so much it makes me mad because I I don't even like them. <laughs> I'm just makes here's me- mine, Dana. All I right. say my longest relationship is three table dances in a row. That was my old one. <laughs> oh Jesus! But I'm not like that anymore, Dana. You know that. So, Alan, yeah, um, you have no. so much. I, I've been reading Too your much. book. Yeah, no, no, if this is. We should have allowed a lot more time. This one hour thing, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> the, Believe the me. The career we, is a seven hour career. And we're trying to cram it into one we hour. We could get several people off. I mean, it was <laughs> it was grim. 205. Finally, Jim Downey said, OK. <laughs> no, we love Jim. He came on and said nice things about you. Don't you love when people say that to you? Hey, I ran into someone, Alan. They said nice things about you. Yeah, like like it's an unusual thing yeah. that um, <laughs> wow, somebody actually doesn't think you're an asshole. You, know? <laughs> you uh you uh seem very popular so far. From what I've read and heard and seen, you seem very popular. Are you are are you a, a bad guy pretending to be a nice guy or yeah, a nice ooh, guy? Yeah, good one. Yeah. Well, okay. Pe- people say I, I, I'm nice, but they go, I'm kind of a dick inside. And maybe Dennis Miller is sort of the opposite or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> he's really he's nice. He's a dick with a nice guy inside. Well, he plays that character, but he's incredibly sentimental and loyal yes. to his friends. So what about you, Alan? I'm also a part-time therapist. I'm full disclosure. I, I, I think that I'm generally nice. I mean, I've got uh, three kids, five grandchildren, so they automatically make you nice. As far as doing what we do is concerned, um, you know, something I remember all the people who were nice to me when I started 
and I also yeah. remember all the dicks. And I'm going, well, I don't want to be remembered that right. way, you know? Right. And, and also, you know, um, all the collaboration that I've done, you know, whether it would be Shandling or Gilda or Billy Crystal, or mm-hmm. I learned to take my ego and put it over here and, right. and make it uh, yeah. just work for the work. And so that avoids, cla- if I believe in something that I'm writing and the other person doesn't, uh, then we have a different kind of talk, but it's about the work, you know? Yeah. You know, you said your, your your kids like you. Let's look at a clip. Oh, they say they don't like. We have a clip. No, I'm kidding. I, I find I'm just trying to get in there. See if this relates to, to you guys. Dave's got a million of them. <laughs> I, I was sitting on that for about forty-five seconds, guys. Just do you ever, even as a non-confrontational, confrontational nice guy? There's ways to get what you want. So, if you hear someone's idea you don't really agree with, even if they're one of the greats, do you rope a dope a little bit? Like you don't push back at that moment, <laughs> oh, and yeah, you go, absolutely. "Oh, that could be good," and then you fight for it later. There's a dance, okay, and one yeah. of them I learned from Shandling. You know, you can pitch a joke to him uh, uh, about a cow. All right. Mm -hmm. And then Gary would go, well, off of what you're saying, (laughs) I think that Amish people and you go, wait a second. How did the cow get to Amish people? He includes you as if he would never have had that thought. Had he not heard about the cow? Oh, that's crafty. So he's he's very proprietary. He makes sure that he's was in there. It was in there, but it was inclusive and um, Mm -hmm. nobody would be telling stories like this, you know, (laughs) after he passed. God, the the, the writer dynamic, Dana, of uh, when I started SNL, Al and I was a comedian. Dana came on as a full cast member, but obviously he's a funny uh, writer and thinker, but he wasn't paid, you know, as a writer. He could write, like, as you know, but for the people at home, like I was a writer performer. So I was sort of, when you're a feature player, the word was you write for everyone else. You don't really need to be on, you know, like start writing. And that's a hard thing, A, to write for other people. I think that's where you're good. And it's hard to not want to be on. And I think you've had a career where you were okay just being a good writer. And that's, that's, a, that's a hard thing to pitch well, and all that. I, I've been lucky, uh, David, in that, you know, Letterman would put me on as a guest and uh, I, I go on talk shows, I have speaking engagements. So that part of me, that has that need or that desire to have an audience respond to me is pretty much satisfied. That being said, I just love the craft of writing too much. To me, it's I wake up 530 every morning. I move my words around and try to make sense of it. And so um, I have the best of both worlds that way. Yeah. You know, I I, I mean, Dane, I was just going to say that when when there's so much pride, even when I was there, when I'd get a sketch on that I started to feel so much pride in the word writer that when they were saying at, at other shows and comedies, you could be a producer or something, I go, and they stopped kind of using the word writer. I go, no, no, writer is like the coolest thing to be proud of. Like you were saying, like, if you're a good writer, you feel so much, you get so much out of it to be called a writer. Well, you're absolutely right. And there was an older school I don't know if it, I don't think it exists now, but there was an older school uh, where they, uh, it was regarded by executives and even uh, producers where you started off as a writer and you graduated. 
to a producer or something yeah. like that. Whereas um, you go, no, no, I write. That's that. That's what I do. You, you know? just pay me more to write. Don't call me something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the, what the what's that? Well, I would I would just interject this. Um, after reading a lot of stuff about you in the last couple of days, like it's really val- valuable for a performer on Saturday Night Live to find a writer who gets them and will incorporate their rhythms. Like you would, I had that with Smigel and you had it with Gilda, I guess, where you would listen to her and then you would add stuff on. So the, it came together, the writing and the performing were kind of created simultaneously as opposed to handing Gilda something. Is that well, kind well, of how it worked or? Absolutely. You know, before I got to SNL, I was writing jo- jokes for stand-up comedians in the Catskills and then Rodney Dangerfield. Mor- Morty so- Gunty was his name? Morty Gunty was the first guy. Mm-hmm. That and I, I remember ever wrote. that guy on TV yeah, in the 60s. <laughs> when yeah. we were growing up, there was yeah. Morty Gunty. Uh, he had a show called <laughs> The Funny Company. And for you trivia buffs out there, uh, the Dick Van Dyke show had two pilots. And the first one that got rejected uh, Carl Reiner played what eventually was Dick Van Dyke's role. Mm-hmm. Morty Gunty originally played what became Maury Amsterdam's role <laughs> in, in, oh, wow. in that show. But when I um, when I learned how to write jokes, uh, I, I, that's why Lauren hired me. And when I got to SNL, I had never seen. I never. I don't think I even heard of Second City at that point. Mm-hmm. Certainly not the Groundlings or the proposition where Jane Curtin came from. And when I saw them assuming characters, or you get somebody like Dan Aykroyd who all of a sudden <laughs> creates this whole world in front of you, I was writing. I was writing for guys with tuxedos and bad teeth, you know. And <laughs> so yeah, and, you went from the cast. Were you writing that, like joke yeah. jokes for people, and then now it's sketches, which is very different. Absolutely. The only time, you know, as you know, that that joke jokes were maybe appropriate was weekend update. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, but when I was writing for those guys, uh, I, I, you know, Rodney Dangerfield, um, you know, he had that thing. I don't get no respect. Uh, even as an infant, my mother wouldn't breastfeed me. She said she liked me as a friend. Okay. <laughs> so that's so a great that joke. was so. So I, I captured his rhythms and whatever. But and and the joke that got me the job at SNL and Lorne is the first to uh, to admit it uh, or to verify it, I should say, is I had written a joke saying that the post office was about to issue a stamp commemorating prostitution in the United States, ten cent stamp. You want to lick it? It's a quarter, okay? So <laughs> so you know I learned how to write jokes, but when I got to SNL, aside from Weekend Update, where I collaborated with Herb Sargent. Was he oh, there yeah. with you guys? Oh, oh yes, yeah. Herb he was, was there the up, entire yeah. time running update when I was My there. Yeah, God, you know he was the old guy in that oh, big oh, office oh, with, yeah. the, the big with the map cl- on yeah, the, the wall. white hair. <laughs> it was shocking. Well, here the glasses looked, that he wore up there yeah. for some reason when his eyes were down here, and uh, so the jokes I wrote with him, but character writing like for Gilda or the Samurais for John Belushi was something I had to feel my way Huge. around to, mm-hmm. and with Gilda. It was we found each other as people. She um, she was a little spooked out by uh, the big city coming to New mm-hmm. York and living here. This is where I'm from. And we found each other. And you're absolutely right. Not only did we have this synergy where we made each other laugh, but it was like she wanted somebody to write for her. And I wanted somebody to speak through. OK, mm-hmm. so it became 
a very convenient kind of uh, marriage that way. You when you you started, I, I don't know this, Dana, but I think Alan, you started originally with the original. So you met Gilda when everyone did. Everyone was like sort of merging day, together. You were there day one. Of I was there Saturday day Night one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, the first um, meeting we had in Lauren's office. Uh, J- July 7th, 1975. I just remember Whoa. that. Okay. And I I uh, walk into Lauren's office for our first meeting. Nobody's there except for Michael O'Donoghue, who was, yeah. I don't know if you met him, but he founded the National Lampoon. Mm-hmm. He was the darkest humor guy ever. And <laughs> yeah. he was by himself in Lauren's office. And what? how did I find him? I found him. He took Big Bird, a stuffed yellow Big (laughs) Bird, and he was wrapping the Venetian blind cord around (laughs) Big Bird's neck, and then he pulled it. (laughs) Big Bird was hanging, and he did that. Then he looked at me, he goes, do you like the Muppets? That's how he felt about the Muppets being on the show originally. And I was, and I liked the Muppets, but I was yeah. too scared to admit it. I go, yeah, I hate those fucking things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would have said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, he, cool. cut, so he, he murdered a man in Vegas, right? Was that the rumor? No, I'm kidding. I made that up. <laughs> it's always like killed a man in Reno is always that other go-to thing. Um, I was kind of interested in that joke for just a second, the postage stamp joke. Because I realized that the the language, the syllables of a, a writer of jokes, like it had to be. What was the the punchline? The way you teased it out. If you want to lick it, it, it's a quarter. A quarter. Yeah, it's not twenty five cents. cents. Not twenty five cents. Quarter is better rhythm. Yeah. But in, in, in I have this book that I that, that recently came out called Laugh Lines: mm-hmm. My Life Helping Funny People Be Funnier. That's the and one I I'm reading. A, <laughs> I, I devote a bunch of pages to how I wrote that joke. Uh, it was it was 1975 when I got the job on SNL, but the next year was going to be the bicentennial. Mm-hmm. So they were going to have commemorative stamps about things in history and say, OK, what's a funny thing in, uh, that you can have a stamp about? Oh, maybe prostitution. I can't <laughs> even begin to tell you how many different punchlines I had. You know, okay. if you lick it, uh, it goes, ah, <laughs> you yeah. know I, mean? I had one where you took the stamp out to dinner first. It, <laughs> it, it was ridiculous. And um, then it was, if you want to lick it, it's a lot more. And then it, it ended up on quarter. But you're right. Not 25 cents. But that one took a long time to quarter's grab. got and, a K in it. I mean, not yeah. not really when you write it out sometimes. Yeah, but, but it's got uh, that. Yeah, sound. yeah it's just funny. It's yeah. going to be a quarter. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> that's process. So Gilda, uh, as a person, I mean, I, I was someone in college when you guys all came on and had never done stand up when you started. So you were superstars. It, it, the whole show was ridiculous. It was uh, just must see television for everyone in the dorm, you know, and Gilda mm-hmm. Radner always bounced off the screen. I know it's been talked about so much. Her level of likability and vulnerability. I don't know if I've ever seen a more likable person it's up there on with screen. Mine. Spade also was my next person. Super, yeah, no, I, and Gilda I would say it's a dead heat. It's a dead heat. It's a real toss up. <laughs> yeah, and her yeah. name being Gilda was cute too. Everything about it was cute. <laughs> she, um, yes, great. She name. had that intangible quality mm-hmm. that you felt you know you knew her even if you never met her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Lauren. It may have been the first year of the show 
what he would do is he would put Gilda on stage just sitting there mm-hmm. and she would talk about what she ate that week. Mm-hmm. And then she would do the same thing. With, he would do the same thing with Belushi, where he let the people know who they were for two minutes as people. Mm-hmm. So when she would do Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, you felt you knew that person who was now wearing a funny wig and oh, doing that dialect. It's a different person. Because sometimes as a kid, I'm too stupid. And you don't even know really their characters yeah, the first time you see someone, you go, that's who she is. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's kind of smart to differentiate it and say, hey, audience, you don't know her yet, but here's who she is normally. That's absolutely right. So you, it's like, you know, if a friend of yours is doing something funny, it feels doubly good because you know who that person is, you know? Yeah. So that's, um, that's what's happening in the podcast world. People do a podcast, people get to know them, and then they tour the podcast. And the same laugh they're doing gets double the lap because the audience is it's their friend and they know them. It's very interesting. Yeah. A- a- new art Absolutely. Form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, there's a familiarity as opposed to uh, a reintroduction or uh, having to define yourself. You, you, it's a head start. It's really, it's really good. If, if Sinatra was around today, he'd come out, he'd take off his hairpiece. He would go, Hey, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, yeah. the summer wind went through. I don't do Sinatra, but I will do Sinatra before this podcast is over. I vow. Yeah, Alan was was uh, uh, was Gilda. She seems a little fragile to me too. Was she or was she very tough? Oh, there, 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 well, that's a great question. There was a fragility there. Look, she had vices. Um, she's it was publicly known that she was a bulimic and uh, she had trouble with guys. Never probably got over the fact that her dad died when she was fifteen. When she Ugh. was fifteen, yeah. and uh, she was this uh, fat kid and all of that stuff. So, but the, um, I think that her greatest, I don't know if it was talent, but what she did was she didn't hide that vulnerability. Okay. Mm -hmm. She didn't try to be something she wasn't. And once again, that made her somewhat embraceable, Mm -hmm. you know, but she was strong enough to, uh, to get through it. You know, when we did the show, and I'm sure it was the same for you guys, it, it ultimately became a battleground. You know, uh, mm. within the offices. Oh, and, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's you got to be strong, and no, one, I don't think anyone's ready for it. You think we're all in this team, we're all going to have this great fun time, and then there are great, great fun highs, and then there's some tough times when you're in nothing, or you're walking through the halls and people are ignoring you because you had a bad read through or something. You're just like, oh, this is so weird. Were there? It's a, you, were, it's a yeah, weird thing. Oh, go ahead, Dana. I'm no, sorry. I was just curious about what you what you just said and, and the alliances that get made, and it is a Game of Thrones or something. There's a whole subterfuge. You put all these comedians and clowns and writers in a room, <laughs> and you say, if this guy gets on, I'm a clown. Phil Hartman used to go, I'm a clown. I'm a clown, you know? yeah. It's hilarious. Uh, this guy, my friend's sketch gets on, then mine won't get on, and all that psychology that went on, at least when I was there, it, we, oh. but we were all very friendly with each other, but it was it was weird. That put it Stomach-turning. Yeah. Oh, it, you know something. Um, I can. Th- this is my own personal uh, sort of observation. When that started, okay, I could be wrong, and other people could dispute it. But look, when we first started, the only rule that we had, Lauren said, "Let's just make each other laugh, and if we do, we'll put it on television." Good idea. Okay, so yeah. we had this show. Hey, we're going to do a show. And it, it was sort of egalitarian and it was uh, the show was the thing. But when when Belushi came back after doing Animal House, 
It's my yeah. theory wow. that the that the culture changed because now John was on the cover of I think it was Newsweek mm. by himself with the toga, you know, oh, and the wall. Yeah, yeah. And, and and none of the other casts were on either side of him. So now it was almost subliminal, but wait a second. This show can get us that. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it was not declared, but I do believe that they, that was a turning point. It was a line of demarcation there where for us, the show was the end. Now it became an end, a, a means to an end. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Because Chevy left early, right? And then and then Chevy blew up and Belushi was fucking huge. Acqu like one at a time, it started blowing up and I'm sure everyone's like, "What's when is my time in the sun? Like, when do I get to that level? I'm already at a huge level, but well, it's yeah. not enough. And then what happened, you're absolutely right, Dave, because what, um, after Chevy left, Bill Murray yeah. was oh, replaced yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Bill uh, not only became a hit on the show, but he did meatballs, <laughs> he did stripes, okay? Oh, my God. He, he did Caddyshack, you know, oh, and then oh, yeah. he's had this huge career. Glorious, my whole childhood, yeah. yeah. This career, you know, and so there were some people um, – the order of succession was sort of leapt over. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, some people felt that, wait a second, it's my turn. Oh, right. But, you, you know, uh, hey, I've been here longer. You know, and like I said, I mm -hmm. never had those discussions with people, but I would bet anything that there was a degree of, hey, wait a second, why is so-and-so getting this, not me? I've been here longer, you know, or right. haven't I proved my worth or, or, or that? It, look, Lorne threw everybody into the deep end of the pool, yeah. you know, whether you could swim or not, and you either drowned or somehow you made it to, to the yeah. side of the pool, you were okay. Oh, yeah, Lorne was, Lorne was amazing, and you know, Everybody when, in the pool. When you get <laughs> you get used to it, you know, Dana, is it is this sketch ever going to work? You know, so he was tough love. And then, you know, if you I felt like I had to levitate the room. I had to just kill on the show. And then you'd just pass Lauren on the way to the next sketch and get that little nod. Good. You know, put a little <laughs> but so he was great that way that, to earn that compliment. And then in, I, we, he'd review the show on Monday very briefly. And he'd always pick out something very obscure <laughs> rather than the sketches that killed. He said, I, I thought Jan's exit off from that sketch was breathtaking. You know, from attitudes. So Lauren kept you off balance, but he had a method to it, you know, to keep us all. It's so hilarious. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm -hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it, price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase. You source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David. And find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality standards. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm -hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or 
chat to answer technical questions like should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company is going to help you make the right choice. You give right. them a little information and they'll go. Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah, we're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like <laughs> they're flipping hotcakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm -hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm -hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to blue nile.com today that's blue nile.com you know something uh when i went out to la to do the shandling show and dana that i remember meeting you through gary i think the first year we did the show was abc prospect and I don't know if you came to see Gary, I, but I remember yes. first hearing through Gary, right? I, I remember. And just, just to intersect for a second, when I went there that night to watch the taping, first of all, I love the show. It always, it was, and, and, and the other show was Gary's brilliant, but, and you, but then Gilda came out, I guess she was doing kind of okay. And she came out behind the curtain and I, it was so the audience reaction to seeing her, well, it was just an incredibly emotional moment. Oh, you were oh, there, well, right? You know, she she was they was in remission at that time, and she said, um, "Ask me if I can help her make cancer funny." She mm -hmm. she said that her humor was the only uh, weapon she had against this fucker. You know, she personalized yeah. the cancer, and when she came out, and she was afraid that nobody would recognize her. Her hair was shorter. Oh my god! And she hadn't been on TV in many years. Um, when she came out, the audience not only erupted, okay? Yeah. Sure. Uh, when I went to edit the show and I wanted to use the angle of her entrance, I saw that the picture was just bouncing just a little bit and I couldn't figure out why. And then I remembered the night that we taped the show, the cameraman that on that angle, uh -huh. he was crying. And his hands were oh, shaking. Wow. Okay. So if you ever see it on TV, you look for it. It's subtle, oh, but wow. it's there. But, um, mm. and, 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 and David, I remember having a, a dinner or a meeting with you, somebody yeah. named Ray at the Brillstein Company. Because yeah. I wanted you <laughs> to be Ray Rio. Ray Rio. Ray Rio. Yeah. Is yeah. Right. Manager. Yeah. And I wanted you to be on the show. I thought you could be Gary's friend or something. I know it didn't work out. Yeah. We um, talked about maybe a pizza guy or I talked about dating or whatever. I'm like a, guy that comes in and i remember that yeah because bernie uh brad gervitz everyone we talked about it. and then and then it but the show went away it was too after that and it didn't work out but i, lo I love just the idea of that would have been so fun because i watched that show it was so cool it's um uh oh so this is just back to lawn for okay, a very quick second so we were doing the shanling show and I guess it was around 1989 and 90, whenever the, the 15th anniversary show mm -hmm. of SNL, the reunion show mm -hmm. was. And, you know, it's just like going to your high school reunion and you go, 
All right, what have I done since I was in high school? <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I got a car, I got married, I got a house, I got a thing. All right, we're going to be okay. So <laughs> right, we fly back for the reunion, and the door is open on the eighth floor, and we run into Ann Beats, who was one of the writers. Mm-hmm. When I was there, she, she was writing the anniversary show. She was, oh. you know, okay. okay. And, and I hadn't seen her in many years. And I go, hi, Ann, what's doing? And she just shakes her head and goes, fucking Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, oh, not, a lot, not a lot has changed here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was always on the 40th. Um, I, I was the most fly by the seat of pants show that I ever been on. I mean, we didn't get any of the run throughs or practice shows. Right. Mike and I were back in a little room going, I don't know, look for Kanye. We'll see if we can make something out of it, you know? But yeah, that was, uh, it's it's a very melancholy or weird thing when you go back there, right? When you go back to 17th floor, 8H, yeah. it's just that it, it always gets, as something comes over me a little bit when I see the pictures, I'll see Phil in a picture and, and Jan and for the obvious reasons. But how do you feel when you go back there? Uh, it- uh, there's a lot of ghosts there for me. Yeah. It's John, it's Gil. I knew Jan, mm-hmm. I knew Phil, but obviously I, I knew the other guys uh, 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 better. I worked with them for five years. Uh, Dave Wilson, who is our director. <laughs> our director, too. You want to oh, do he was what? Your director what? Too? <laughs> the show's in a half hour. Too many changes. <laughs> no, he, we love Davey. He was like, wait, wait a minute. You want to put a camera on a tomato? How am I going to get the angle? Yeah. Smigel would make changes. He goes, Robert, I, 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 I. it was that after dress meeting when it was so tense. Yeah, I'm and in then, Lauren's office. Yeah, on the and they're reading floor. all the changes. Okay, on Sweeney Sisters, we're going to change this. He's like, well, I can't. Uh, it's a job that should not exist directly. It's Live. too stressful. It shouldn't exist, but it and, does. And by the way, not only didn't exist, you know what wouldn't have existed without Dave Wilson was Dunkin' Donuts as he ate them like they were going out of style. The jelly donuts, yeah. Such a nice guy, too. The greatest guy. guy in the world. And um, he he lived in Parsippany, New Jersey. He he commuted every w- mm-hmm. uh, night. Uh, he had a wife and kids. And, um, and as I remember it, Lorne hired him very much because he didn't have an ego. Okay, mm-hmm. that was stated right. that, okay, it would be, yeah, there might be an initial panic attack, but ultimately he would figure it out because of the show, you know? Yeah. And he was really good for it. Great. He, was, yeah. he was great that way. He was great. And I, I found that su- super useful because I was in a couple of movies here and there and I was so bad because I was being so directed and doing hundreds of takes. And yeah. on SNL, it was great. It was just sort of get the shot. You and when I did Church Lady with Rosie Schuster, you know, who was great and she thought of the name Church Chat. So we worked on it for like a month, but you, there wasn't classic direction. Like I knew the character from my stand up. So it was very liberating as a performer. No, no, they, 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 a character like that, I imagined that uh, you were given all the leeway and he followed you, you know, or he gave yeah. you this yeah. much space on Rosie Schuster, by the way. I, insist and i know that frank and you mentioned him earlier feels the same way wrote when i was there what i believe to be the best joke of the five and it never saw the light oh wow this is this is okay rosie rosie pitched a sketch of the 10 worst hanukkah gifts ever okay (laughs) 
And number one (laughs) was the Hanukkah that they gave Anne Frank a set of drums. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as a writer, I'm going, (laughs) wow, I live to be a thousand. You know, look, there's always this little bit of a competition. You go to read three, you go, oh, man, I should have thought of that. Oh, I could have done that. But there were certain people like when I was there, Michael O'Donoghue or Aykroyd. Okay, Aykroyd. I could never do Bassomatic, you know, where you would drink a fish. So I would just <laughs> sit back and enjoy the ride. You yeah. Know? Yeah, that's so great. You, so look for a second, because John Belushi is an overarching person in the history of SNL. So you you wrote a lot of the samurai. So you hooked up with him and then wrote the final nine of them. How many were there? And what was that relationship like with John? I, I, there, there was like 10 or 11. The first one was John auditioned for the show with that character. He mm-hmm. brought that character to the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. The very first one was written by Tom Schiller and it Tom. was Samurai Hotel <laughs> which, with, with Belushi and I want to say uh, Richard Pryor, okay? Right. Which is the seventh show. Of the first I, season? Yeah. From the first season. Ooh, juicy. Now, now the 11th <laughs> show, the 11th show, Buck Henry was coming in. Lorne came up to me and said, before you got the job here, you worked in a delicatessen, didn't you? And I did. So he says, you think you can write Samurai Deli? And I went, oh, yeah, that, the piece of cake. No uh, problem. He walked away. I go, what the hell am I going to do now? Samurai so I wrote, Deli. Sa- I wrote Samurai Deli and then every all the other Samurais, the eight or nine that came afterwards. Samurai Night Fever? Yeah, Samurai Night Fever that's I wrote. A, that's one I remember because it was so hilarious and the movie is such a huge hit. And it sounds funny, Samurai Night Fever. No, it sounds very so, close. Sounds oh, funny. And you, funny. Know, <laughs> you know who the host was for that show and was John in John Travolta. Buck, no. Buck Henry. Nope. Uh, uh, O.J. Simpson. Oh, whatever happened to him? <laughs> Where you is know something he? I, I just sort of lost track. <laughs> yeah. He retired from football. He did Naked Gun. And I, I don't know what happened there. Now, do you think Samurai, I mean, this is probably an uh, obvious question, could not be done in 2022? You, you guys probably had the most leeway uh, yeah. maybe maybe my cast i don't know but it definitely changes at a certain point i mean obviously did an asian character who didn't you know but uh no more right can't yeah. couldn't do samurai. I, I would think you're absolutely right i mean certainly from my era roseanne rosanna dana i don't think could see the light of day oh really why because th- some of her jokes because are- it was sort of Puerto Rican-ish. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. And, and and the samurai. And she was in Puerto Rican. Yeah. No. Yeah. Those you know, days so, are over. Yeah. The, the, yeah. So I think that, I don't know when it started, but it may have happened after you guys were there. It may mm-hmm. have been within the last 10-ish years or so. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have an exact, you know, when the woke thing and cancel culture and all the politically correct what, what's really woke, started. What, what's that? What are you talking about? No, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it must get tougher every year because it seems to get, but the show, you know, still has funny stuff. It's just must, it's such a landmine to get through and go, well, this could rub people wrong. And the whole idea of the show was to rub people wrong and to get laughs and to shock people. And that's that's really where it's hard because if that's the point of it and that's the point of being good and then you can't do that, I, I you know, what's left is just so tough. Yeah, for me, I, I, I just didn't, I, the idea that I was going to hurt someone never occurred to me or the idea I would decimate somebody uh, 
the, yeah. sitting in the dark crying. You know, I never even thought of that. So now I just do Western Europe. I can do France. <laughs> I do Western Europe. I do Ireland. I'll do Britain, you know, but I don't go East. I can't do Indian. I don't. So I just yeah. stay. I could do Putin. Just jump around. I can do Russian Europe. is not the yeah. problem. I can do all those cultures and that's where I'm, but I'm fine with that. I can still do a Beatle. I can still do a Paul McCartney. So I, I, I long for the days where we all made fun of each other and then yeah. went for lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we, we were friends. That's what you did, yeah. you right. know? And, and, you know, uh, the people who object are usually not the people who you make the jokes about It's Some other group who is telling everyone, no, you can't do that. You go, wait a second. And the show was, you're absolutely right. It, it, that's what made it the hit that it was. It, it, it um, expanded all parameters. And if you go back and if these rules apply, well, Lenny Bruce wouldn't have been around. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't know if Chico Marx could do the Italian accent that he did. No, no, he's yeah. out. Bruce is out. <laughs> Chico's Early out. Eddie Let's Murphy. You know, there's Carlin, so many. done. Carlin stays <laughs> yeah. in the suit. He, done. Does, he, he doesn't go hippy-dippy. He doesn't go seven words you can't stay. He does the weather, the hippy-dippy weatherman, maybe. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, an interesting idea. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't even know. in movies, you see that the bad guys are only uh, vague Russian. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's somewhere over Eastern there. We European, don't know where. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we uh, will take you, Mr. Bond, to yeah. this place. And we will, and but I'm where from you? nowhere. You don't need to know where I'm from. I am exactly. from nowhere and I am from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I spit on your grave. I'm just bad. That's, <laughs> that's all you need to that's know. That's fine. But so I, I'm cool with it. I got a lot of tools. I'm fine with it. But even talking about it now on this podcast, Fly on the Wall, available wherever podcasts are. Uh, it makes me a little nervous, you know, because uh, I don't know. Yeah. Aren't we the we ultimate? We talk too much. Yeah, you know, I'm scared. We scared. We're we're too much. We're so white that it's not even. We're out of Yeah, it's um, and some of us have very nice skin considering our age, as you pointed out earlier. <laughs> I, you know? I don't know what you've done, and I don't judge uh, fillers. <laughs> I don't. I've judge. seen you at a lot of clinics, and it. It's I don't judge wrestling. I don't know you've done dermabrasion. I don't know how you've done it or why you've done it, but you've done it. And you look terrific. I do germabrasion on my wiener. Just end yeah. now, though. Just You're good now. No more. Okay, now, you're good. You look great. Oh, oh, so any tighter, it would be like, it would really be off the charts. Then, then, then people right? would start to notice. It's like Madonna, who I love, is wearing a mask. I think it actually, she actually just wears a mask. <laughs> well, well, what mask. about James Caan? Oh, is he tighter now? Jimmy oh. Con. Oh yeah, yeah. He's back to Sonny Corleone. Sonny Sonny Corleone is is yeah. His eyes are bulging, and um, are we allowed to say bulging in this? You touch my sister again, I'll fucking kill you. That's all I remember. <laughs> his bulging eyebrow. Well, I don't know. I mean, um, I just put on glasses, fluff it up. Cop an attitude is the big part of life, you know. Act young. Looking to save on delivery? DashPash from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. 
DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Hey, Fidelity. Can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Hey, Alan, you know uh, Steve Martin, who is my, probably one of my all-time favorites, especially growing up, but still to this day. He's he's very, very You're good. You're tight with him, because I saw you wrote on his best show ever. That was right in his fucking heyday like back then, right? Oh, that was a live show that we did the night before Thanksgiving, okay? So it was the Wednesday night. It was a live show. Oh, it was show. live, okay. It was live, and um, boy, that was fun. That, that you know, it was because we had been away from the show, oh, a year and a half, close to two mm-hmm. years. Getting so to itchy. Get the, so to get that rush, yeah, yeah, where you can write something and a half hour later it's on television was really exciting. Yeah, you it's know? hard. It's hard to do jokes where you do them in a movie and they sit for a year and you go, "Fuck, I gotta wait" because someone could step on it. Comedy does not sit well on a shelf. It's like you just want to get it out right then, right, then, right I, I, then. Absolutely. And now I write books and plays and and uh, and movies. And if I'm lucky, if I'm lucky, <laughs> it sees the light of day two years from yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Al Franken asked me to ask you <laughs> another yeah, one. He said you wouldn't mind talking about. Your experience with the movie North, Rob Reiner's movie. You can pass. Oh, I had on questions this. about that too. Uh, okay, here we go. And the sequel, well, Al, South. Re- remind me to thank Franken, by the way. Okay. So this was a film done by Rob Reiner, and well, well, it started out as a book that I wrote. Oh, that's okay, the, it was your first I, I, mistake. I, I, <laughs> okay, I came. I uh, ended. I left SNL in 1980. Robin, my wife, and I started having a family, and at one point. Our son, who was around seven, I was able to tell at the dinner table by the way he looked at me and Robin that the kid was thinking, I could do better than these two. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, parents wise, I I wrote a book about a little boy named North who didn't feel appreciated by his Mm -hmm. parents, declared himself a free agent, and went all over the world, offering his services as his son to the highest bidding set of parents. Okay. So I write the book for Random House and I got the manuscript. Now, Rob Reiner had hosted the third SNL ever. Mm -hmm. I send him the manuscript um, just for a blurb for the book jacket. And I remember the blurb he sent was, if you read only one book this year, <laughs> I wouldn't call you an avid reader. Okay, that was the blurb. <laughs> that he okay. uh, th- but he said, you know something? I really like this book. He said, you know, I'm a director now. And I'm going, well, no kidding. He did uh, Harry with Sa- when Harry met Sally, uh, Few yeah. Good Men. Few Good Men. Wow. Bride. He oh, said, I'd yeah. like to do this as a movie. So it's music to my ears. 
I moved the family out to LA. Okay. And two years I'm spent writing this script, mm. adapting my own thing. Now it's a $50 million movie. Mm. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Jason Huge Alexander, cast. Bruce Willis, uh, my old friend Dan Aykroyd, a little eight-year-old actress. Uh, her first job, her name was Scarlett Johansson. Ooh. All right. Uh, Elijah okay. Wood. Elijah Wood. John Lovitz Yeah. Lo Hello. Lovitz, Reba McIntyre. It just went on and on. Now it's- Too United big to fail. Well, let's discuss that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think people are interested with a guy that a career where you have so many things work. This is just interesting because I've had movies that I don't, I read and, and just somewhere along the way, it's not what I thought. And I think it's interesting to hear from you, as you're saying, along the way, something that is something, working, something happens and you. Something got derailed. Okay. Did yeah. you ever figure that out? No, because um, I, it may have been episodic. He went to about eight different countries and it might have oh. read like a series of sketches. Okay. With each mm -hmm. set of parents, but it was the night of the premiere and I flew my parents out from Florida. Boca uh. Raton had two less Jews that night. They were in LA <laughs> and uh, the movie and greatest night of my life. They had, I adapted my own book. It's a 50. Then the reviews come out the next day. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't remember, Roger Ebert's review of North, and I think oh, this is what he's got Frank in his hand, folks. It's okay. in his hand. The review yeah, of the, North, which I took on out a paper, of, not even with, online, which I took out of a wallet. Okay, Roger, I had a few, hey, you keep it with you at all times. Roger Ebert was a big, big reviewer back then. Yeah. Oh, he, he well, he and the um, biggest Gene Siskel had Siskel. that show, the, two, the okay. huge show. So let's hear it. Okay, here's his review. <laughs> oh boy. I hated this movie. <laughs> hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience insulting Simper. moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it. Ooh. Hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would actually be entertained by it. Oh. Now, on the surface, this may seem like an unfavorable review, Seems but if negative. you read it again and again, you know, <laughs> you dig I was in. devastated. Oh, oh boy. I'm gonna, How I'm long afraid. did it take you acutely to get past that? Two months? I would Eight. say about, I, I would say about six months. Um, we lived in L.A., mm -hmm. uh, where, uh, as you know, a lot of people root for other people. Mm. Ooh, that, you know, Our son, Adam went to crossroads uh that was a oh, private yeah. school that yeah. we sent them to Santa and he would not only he would get taunted by the other kids who were oh. no business kids he would he came home and said dad is it okay if we change our last name to sorkin you know so it was um <laughs> it was it, it was it became difficult but it took about it took four to six months to get up off the couch because i had given the guy the power mm -hmm. to um you know boy you know, and it's always some somebody who's related to you. They mean well, but my father would say, "Don't read Time magazine." Uh, Page seventy nine, column three. I dog-eared it. Do you ever have pa pa <laughs> passive-aggressive friends that would say something like, "I don't, I don't know if I should 
tell you this, but there's this review. I don't, I don't know if you want to hear this so, as if they didn't <laughs> yeah. want to just rub your face in it. So what was your, I know you did Curb Your Enthusiasm. What, what was your after North? What was your next well, big project or success? Book. Or you wrote a book? I, well, I had written a book that was a bestseller called Bunny Bunny. It, it was about me and Gilda. Yes. And it was my uh, way of dealing with her death. And it became a, a successful off-Broadway play. And uh, th that is even talk about doing it as a movie. Mm -hmm. um, but, okay. but God knows. Skittish. But, yeah, but, but Curb, um, Curb was great fun because Larry's my old friend. And I also, uh, there was a big success. I collaborated with Billy Crystal on uh, a Broadway show that won a Tony called 700 Sundays. Yes, know all about yeah. it. Yes. For sure. Yeah. And it was, yeah. so Billy and you did a lot together as well. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, we did that. And then we recently did a movie with Tiffany Haddish and him called uh, Here Today. I saw oh, it. Right. I thought it was great. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed you. it. Billy was awesome in that. Really, really. And he directed it as well. Yeah. So, you know, so th there's been peaks. But, you know, look, the valleys are, um, you know, I, I did when I was promoting the book. Um, I did uh, CBS Sunday Morning. Mm -hmm. You know that guy, Dr. John LaPook, who is their medical yeah. guy mm -hmm. on it? He's Norman Lear's son-in-law, greatest guy in the world. And he had uh, one of these kind of uh, podcasts. Oh, it was for CBS This Morning, it was called. Right. And I was in the middle of pandemic. And the theme of it was failures. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm going, gee, I'm on with Norman Lear. And all you think about is all in the family and Maud and sure. all that. He he named 13 shows, a.k.a. Pablo, Come all these other that. shows I never heard of before. So you look at your idols and, you know, you look at the Paul Simons, if you're going to go into music, you look and go, not everybody was a hit. You know, We're there hitting was 100% like never. Uh, yeah. Alan, when you did North, do you, is there one point, and we'll let it go, but is there a point <laughs> during, uh, uh, you see a rough cut and assembly or just clips or dailies where you go, I don't know if it's clicking because sometimes you're too close to it and you go and people are like, Oh, it's hilarious. And you're like, okay, good. Because I, you can't really tell along the way until you so see it all times. together. Yeah. yeah. And then is there one point where people started getting nervous or you started getting a vibe like, uh Oh, well, I, I you're absolutely right. Like there's this old adage that no movie is as good as, as it's dailies and not no movies as bad as the first cut. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, our dailies were great because like I said, it was episodic. They were almost like sketches that we yeah. did. So, so you judged it that way. Um, strung together with a narrative, mm -hmm. you go, oh boy. All right. Mm -hmm. right what's, what's wrong here? Then we played it in front of some audiences and Rob was used to 95%, uh, yeah. 97% at top two boxes sure. with all of his hits. And, you know, I don't know if we were in the single digits, but we weren't in the high double digits by any means. Sure. I have a, go, oh, yeah. I, I, sorry, I just was, because about dailies, I have a theory about that. Because, you know, modern Woody Allen, uh, I know he has his issues <laughs> privately. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> so am I. He, he started using moving master shots. So a lot of threes and fours and people moving in the frame. So when I, some of the shitty movies I did that I wasn't in control of, the dailies were pretty good because there'd be the the moving master or a wide shot and you would see it all the rhythm and then you'd see it just fucking cut to pieces and it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, a million it doesn't cuts, go yeah. from funny to, to, to pretty funny. It goes from funny 
to incredibly not at all funny. And that's just a directorial directorial thing. But um, that's what I admired about, you know, um, uh, Billy, when we did um, here today and also with Rob, I did a few movies with him. I've been lucky to work. I'm working with Barry uh, Levinson now. Brilliant director. uh, Yeah. I'm writing something with him. And what I um, what Billy Crystal did Mm -hmm. in that movie here today where he played a character like Herb Sargent, like mm-hmm. the senior writer at an yeah. SNL kind of show. Mm-hmm. And, but he had the onset of dementia. And since you shoot movies out of sequence, mm-hmm. where was he in the character's progression towards mm-hmm. getting That's worse? That's very hard. Okay. So, really, but yeah. he would comment every day knowing, okay. So it's about the script. Okay. I, I was here. Now I'm going to be here. Mm-hmm. So when it's cut together, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't jump yeah. in cognition or, or, or whatever. But that's what um, the great directors do. You know, they this stay on you. Of, yeah, they make sure they you stay on you and say where you are and where you're going to from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I ask you some some basic questions? Because I think. Uh, sure. Because you're a writer and you've had this long, long career and you're still you're you're writing a movie with Barry Levinson. You're 45 years in or whatever. I mean, what, what was it about you, you think? Do you ever analyze? Do you ever think like, why me? Well, how did I manage this? And and uh, what was the main characteristic that you think you needed to get through? Is it just keep going? Or what would you tell young writers who are listening to this podcast and dreaming of having your career? I I, I would tell them, first of all, there are a lot of naysayers out there. I don't know if you guys ran into them, whether oh, yeah. it was a manager, an agent, sometimes your friends, you know, uh, college friends, when they all went to med and law school and they came back Thanksgiving, they made fun of me because I was working in a deli yeah. and selling jokes to right. Morty Gunty. I, I think <laughs> that um, I, I think that, look, when this book starts, I'm 21 uh, at the end. I'm now 71. Whoa. So it's 50 years. I think if you stay in your lane, uh, I, I couldn't write for I don't think I could write for SNL now. I I, I do miss the activity that I yeah. do. I, I yeah. that that adrenaline rush and all of that. But with the exception of weekend update, which is jokes, which I think I would be able, I don't think that it would sound like an old man trying to predict what um what what the kids are laughing at. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so the with the movie here today, uh, I could not have written 10 years ago until my father got dementia, until Billy's aunt got dementia. So we lived it. So I think it's like, um, I think there's an audience for everything that's honest. I I think an audience can smell fraudulence a mile away. You know what I mean? If we we put on a hat that really doesn't fit, you know? And trying to stay, the word is relevant. That's sort of a thing of like for an older performer, trying to stay relevant. It sounds so negative. Well, yeah, if you try too hard, it can really backfire. You're trying to stay relevant. It's like, I think you are your whole career. You just want to be in the mix. That's shouldn't be negative. It's well, what well, you, you guys do. have certainly proved that you've got longevity. I mean, how do you, how do you do it? You do tell me, I mean, you, you go up and you do what you do. Well, right? I remember Lauren Michaels always used to say, he, he says, you, you just keep oh. going. You, 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 you never stop. It's Sydney Poitier <laughs> told me that you just keep going. And, <laughs> he did. And, and it's yeah. that thing of like, you're, you're just going. Right. Or so two uh, nights ago. Love Lauren. Yeah. <laughs>
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Celeste Barber, great, Janet Jackson, Nasty Boys, great song. You like to go to Kids Bop Kids, that's their Sammy Hagar I'd go to. I went to see the Doobie Brothers. I'd probably go again. Good old Whitney Cummings. Yeah. Train and Ario Speedwagon. There's so many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Wow. That is a good, that's a good deal. You got to yep. visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. What is it? LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Lord would do that, you know, there was a, an anecdote I have in my book, and this this literally happened when Shanling and I, we came back east to look for actors for its Gary Shanling show, mm -hmm. and we went to Catch a Rising Star, and we're at the bar was David Brenner, who I had not seen. Remember him? I, I flew on uh, MGM Graham with him. Uh, MGM, MGM Graham. Yeah, Graham. I love Graham. that one. I, 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 I flew. It. I'd had a flight where I was sat with David for the whole flight, and he had a tank top on. He was really tan. And I go, to, is your life awesome? He goes, yeah. He goes on sailboats, and he has lots of girlfriends. Anyway, I remember him as being uh, very likable. He yeah. was a very, and he was always very nice to me. We walked into catch. I hadn't seen him in a while. And I go, hi, David. And he goes, come here. <laughs> come here. All right. So me and Shanley go up to him and, and he goes, and now he, I was hoping he was kidding. I would bet everything that he was not though. Cause I was looking for some sort of a wink. Yeah. He said, I figured out what the funniest number is <laughs> so, <laughs> so i like it already I, 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 so i said really what what number he goes guess and i yeah. go, guess i go david there's lots of numbers i don't have this kind of time he goes shanley goes oh, what's the funniest number <laughs> so david looks around to make sure that nobody's no comments within earshot yeah. yeah so nobody would hear this secret and he whispers, 267. <laughs> and he goes, you're kidding. So we go, he says, I've tried them. Two, 267 gets the best laugh. Okay. So Shanley and I are now worried 
for, about David's <laughs> mental health. We we say goodbye, we leave. And when when we were writing shows together, Gary and I, I yeah, we need a joke here. Gary, go, how about 267? <laughs> okay. Now, when I wrote this book, Steve Martin read it and gave me a very nice quote. But Steve got couldn't believe that Brenna had done that, that 267 yeah. is the funniest number. So to this day, I'll send Steve an email that just says, well, I'm going to make you laugh now, Steve, dot, dot, dot. And then I just write 267 and he'll write back. He says, I really appreciate it, Alan, because I was having a 366 <laughs> kind of day. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dana, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that you're not in your kitchen. Okay. I'm no, just. I'm in a bedroom. <laughs> oh, you mean David Spade? Spudler? No, no, guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm in a bedroom. Uh, yeah. guest guest office i do a lot of stuff here wow yeah i don't really like to have grand things david has a gigantic superstar yes. al pacino and scarface mansion mm -hmm. i have a humble town home but we don't know who has a greater net worth and that's a question the audience is obsessed with. i have cocaine stucco on my on the outside of my walls <laughs> this guy let me tell you man the guy got a house man you'll never see i still do i still do the, I, you know how i'm able to do scarface when i feel like it i say i'm doing al pacino's eccentric bizarre cuban accent so i'm not saying this oh, is how that's I'm right i'm just you doing removed yourself yes oh. from, yes that's okay yeah. man look at you look at you man you got a face like a baby <laughs> like a little baby look at that man look at you man you don't know say goodbye to the bad guy so it's a really fun <laughs> accent to do bad guy. So your woman's yeah you yeah. put distance between you and that. Yes. That's great. And saying, I'm just doing that. I'm not doing Cuban. -American. I think you're still going to get canceled, but good try. Uh, <laughs> so if you, okay, here's another one I like. Um, your, uh, you, which you could never answer. Your favorite thing you've ever worked on. It's either a sketch movie, a Broadway show. Oh, book. oh. You'll never be able to answer this. I'm just throwing it no, out. No, no. But I mean, I can throw out some. 700 Sundays was really great because- it's about the process. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The product was successful, but the fact that my best friend trusted me with his family, who I yeah. never met, to put words in their mouths um, was it, it was something really honorable and glorious about it. Sure. I think the book, Bunny mm -hmm. Bunny, because it was also from the heart. Mm -hmm. It was about Gilda. I had a children's book called Our Tree Named Steve, which was successful, but it was also about our family. So it's a, it's more of the personal things, so, you know. Mm -hmm. I could say any of the SNL thing. You know, when we started, when Gary and I started, um, I have the fondest of memories of when we started because we discovered each other, we became good friends, made each other laugh, and we were on for 72 shows. Then it got it got a little hairy towards the end. And why 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 did it go off the rails a little bit in terms of your well? I think that relationship, a couple of, kind of with the Gary, relationship, yeah. also is related to the work. I was mm. married with three kids. I was the commissioner of my son's little league, uh, little league, busy dad, and yeah, you know, and I wanted to write about that stuff. Gary, it's Gary Shanling show didn't have room for that. Gary played that single guy still yeah. trying to get there, so mm -hmm. he resented the time that I would think about something else. And sure. I resented that I couldn't put this stuff into there. Mm -hmm. And by the time we uh, ended the show, 
we were really talking and it was oh. uh hmm. he came back east and he was at uh oh a hotel in atlantic city like the borgata one of those places my wife robin saw that he was going to appear there and she said i'm bringing alan down i'm putting you both in a room and you're not coming out until you're friends again you've been through too much together and that's pretty much what happened but gary did larry sanders and you know i did other things and so we weren't on the same set every day or in the same offices. Yeah. So I had to be pursuant to him. There was something about him that I still wanted. Okay. I still mm -hmm. needed, I still wanted. And um, we got pretty close to getting back to it. And then he died, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah. I know, you know grudges, I, you know, you get wounded in show business. People, people fall out, all kinds of drama. Uh, I guess it's true in every business, but show and, business and is working so very personal. closely is tough. And especially if something that's very important to both of you and, it's just almost inevitable you're going to go in some different directions, writing and performing, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, what attracts you is about to have a writing partner is, okay, and I'm going to make up numbers now. 367. What was it? 267. Okay. <laughs> the uh, 80% we uh, think alike. Okay. That's mm -hmm. what draws you together. But the other 20%, you each bring something to it. Yeah that you couldn't have done alone. So the alchemy is one and one equals three, you know? And I had that beautifully with uh, Gary. I had it when I wrote Martin Short Show, I had it with him. Mm -hmm. I, I write with Dave Barry now, if you're familiar oh, yeah, with him. Totally. He, he yeah, and I are, so there's an understanding, but it's different when you write with somebody for that person. Because mm -hmm. if they don't believe in it, even, you know, uh, they're not gonna say it with conviction. It's gonna be false. So I. I love your pro. I, I love how much you just get up. You write every day. I mean, there's. It seems like you're such a natural fit. Because for me, writing is the toughest part. I find mm. it really exhausting. I have to take a nap after a two-hour. Oh, writing it session. is exhausting. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what made SNL so great, or any TV show, is osmosis and the synergy of all these people coming in and out of offices and, and whatever. You know, I remember Lorna originally saying that the more initials that are on top of the first page sketch, of any yeah. sketch, the more he was happy with that means that it had the more sensibilities. Everyone and puts it, their couple, you can always snag a good joke because everyone's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, here's something that I'm pulling out of the same wallet. When, <laughs> remember the playwright Herb Gardner, he wrote A Thousand oh, Clowns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He talks about a writer's life, okay? You, your days are spent making up things that no one ever said to be spoken by people who do not exist hmm. for an audience that may not come. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's like total futility. It seems like So it's like a real force of will. I find like, if you know, something's going or, or if you're going to be on a television appearance and you're, you're very, you know, you're very stimulated and very focused, but the idea of being in a room for so long and not knowing if it'll ever be seen or get made, that's the discipline of a writer. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely yeah. right. I love it. Is this a waste of time? Ultimately, you know, is this not going to, I see it, but maybe it's not going to touch somebody the way I do and, and, and all that. Yeah. It's very lonely. But to go full and, um, circle on this, what's so cool about you. Now you're writing a movie with uh, Barry Levinson. Yeah. So pretty good shot. That'll get made. Is it live streaming or is it a, it's probably live. No, I streaming? think we, we, we see it as a feature, you okay. know, but you know, who knows now? Yeah. Who sure. knows now, you know, and there's another, another one. Um, Rob Reiner is now the head of Castle Rock again. 
And oh. uh, the, the the director, Barry Sonnenfeld, oh, yeah. wrote a <laughs> memoir, which is hilarious, called Barry Sonnenfeld, Call Your Mother. Rob optioned it, and they're hiring me to adapt it. So I'll be working with two Barrys, you know, or three if you count Dave Barry. But it, the yes. So in answer to your question, if you surround yourself or work with people like that, where the odds are better that it will reach fruition, you know, will materialize, it, it does uh, give you a little bit more hope when you spend all these hours by yourself. So 50 yeah. years in and you're just really in demand. It's just nice. It's great. Obviously. And I've been lucky, you know. And your book out that I've gotten halfway through because my Kindle was out of batteries. But anyway, what's the name of it right now? The one that's your current book about your life it's as called, a writer? It's Laugh called lines. Laugh Lines. And the subtitle is My Life Helping Funny People okay. Be Funnier. Yeah. Yes. Thank wow. you for coming on, Alan. Been, David, it's been great. Dana, this was great. We really enjoyed it. This is our our fans, every all of them. Uh, my wife, <laughs> David. I was just with Lorraine Newman, who told me she was on. Oh your show. yeah, that's right. She, she said she had a great time. She, she said she had she a great, great. time. You, Sweetheart, we love having writers on and love hearing their process. You know, so I, I find it really, really, really interesting and. And once again, there you are. You're, you are Alan Swibel just overarches the 50 years in show business. Your name is always kind of mentioned and it was always in the ether. Alan Swibel is working on this or he's there. So congrats on that. It's pretty congrats. cool. Thanks like for having me. I had asked to be on the, when I heard you guys were doing this, even before, um, I, I was, was Tom the first one? Was Hanks the first one? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Even yeah. before I knew about that, I, I said to, um, Laurie Jonas, the publicist, I said, I want to be on those guys' podcast. <laughs> I so know, so thank you for having well, me. Well, the I only really thing that a little it. weird happened is Franken has, I let him have a feed to hear this, and he, I'll just quote it. It texted me. Alan Zweibel is a liar. Nothing he said. Anyway, thanks, Alan. Thank you. Hope man. to see you guys. Okay, take care. We will Good see luck you. With we'll it. see you at some point. We'll see you at the 50th. We'll see you at the 50th, if not before. Okay. Okay. Take care, guys. Take care. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 